This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited for you to hear this interview with my sweet friend and incredible artist, Penny Treese. She does such beautiful work and this conversation was really special. We talk about finding yourself through art and creating by accident and experiment and trusting your intuition and mom life and business life and so many really just fun and expansive topics and I can't wait for you to listen to it. So I hope you enjoy. I would just love to hear how you got into this whole art world. Is it something that you've always Mm -hmm. known that was bubbling up in you? Yes. So literally, I think I was five years old when I started calling myself an artist. I just, it was like from birth. I just knew that I was going to be an artist somehow, some way. And I was drawing pictures of like the alphabet. There was like an A for apple and in kindergarten. And I just lost myself in it. Like I just slipped into the flow at just a very young age. And my parents were unbelievably supportive. They got me lessons with every local artist, whether I was in a pasture drawing horses with one local artist, or we were in someone's basement on their pottery wheel, throwing pottery or making jewelry or painting watercolor flowers. They were just so supportive. And I'm so grateful for that. And then I went to Um, college in fine arts and also got a graphic design degree because they were like, you might want to do something. You can make a little bit of money maybe right off the bat. And I was like, fine. Okay. Well, then I just ended up absolutely falling in love with graphic design. And that was in Illinois where I grew up. And after college, I moved to Atlanta. I moved down here with my high school boyfriend and I got a job in advertising right away. I had a wonderful career in advertising. He and I got married and we had two little babies and I couldn't work those mad men-esque like advertising 90 hour weeks while I was having, I had children. So then I was freelancing as a graphic designer and then the world kind of closed in on us when 9-11 happened. That's when I had my, my daughter And things got very dark for my ex-husband at the time. I found myself raising two babies as a single mom and my heart was broken, you know, but I needed to divorce that first love of mine. And I also needed to find a way to heal from that. So I was in traditional counseling, but that's when I realized that okay, 9-11 just happened. Everyone's getting fired from advertising. I didn't have as much work as a freelancer. And now I don't have income. And he had, he had sort of spent all of our money. And I was we were in like $200,000 worth of debt. 
and the house was going into foreclosure and the bills were shut off. And so when I realized all this had happened, I thought, well, if I'm going to be broke, I'm going to be happy, do something I love. And so I found an intuitive art healing class. And I joined that with four other women and we painted together and it was called paint your guts out. And we painted our guts out for two and a half years, every week together. And that experience actually took the place of my traditional counseling. And it opened me up to painting in this intuitive manner from my soul. And that's when I got back into fine art and painting again, like I had when I was a child and I had never been so happy. So I absolutely have forgiven my first boyfriend, my ex-husband, forgive myself for there's parts, two parts to every story, but he set me free. You know, we were supposed to be together at that time of our lives and, and I cherished it. And we had children out of love, but we weren't supposed to be together for the, for the long haul. And so I appreciate that I was free then to, to find myself and to reinvent myself and transform and evolve through art. And I got remarried after three years and I have an amazing husband that we've raised our three children together. And he has been a big part of supporting me as my parents did and flourishing through this, this fine art business that I have created. It's such an incredible story. And there's so many parts along the way that I just, I was feeling myself get emotional. I was feeling myself <laughs> just be so inspired. I'm curious when you were younger and you had this inclination for art, did you feel like you were advocating for yourself in order to get that support from your family? Or was that something that they just naturally noticed and were helping you along? Yes, they just noticed that whenever I had free time, I was drawing and they, along with my grandparents, my grandfather was an artist, not a professional mm. artist, but there were drawings of his all over the house. And so I got to use his watercolors and pencils. And I still have his oil paints, like from like the 30s that I use today in my art practice. So they really just saw that when there was some sort of art supply around, I was going to gravitate to it. Or if there wasn't an art supply, I was going to like draw in the mud, right. <laughs> do some finger painting. So they did. They just were like, wow, she is born to, to do this and let's just help her along the way. That's so incredible. And it's just what's coming up for me is how so much of our future and what we can develop into is really based on this foundation of our environment mm -hmm. and what's around and how the people that that love us and nourish us can help us grow by just allowing us to explore and play and and setting up I mean I'm someone that definitely feels like I'm creative and that was really important to me when my kids were younger and even still now, just having access to ways to be creative, whether it's paint or colors or stamps or paper punches, you know, whatever it is, just, just having an environment in which creativity can be nourished and flourish. One thing that I know, you know, people that are musicians, like they have musical homes. That's not something that we do. I wish that we did. 
But you know, if you're somebody that loves to play guitar or play piano, when the thing is there, people use it, people play with it, people are always listening to music. And so I love that as a budding artist, that's something that not only was there for you, but that also then got pulled through for you. Absolutely. And there's so many different types of art. And I love that you mentioned music and cooking, you know, so we didn't have a whole lot of money when I was raising my children. And so they didn't have the big birthday parties at the water slides or whatever, but we would have these creative birthday parties where maybe everyone would bring in an ingredient and we'd all make stone soup or something, or they'd make fairy nests out in the backyard, but that's an art too. It's mm. the writing and, and poetry and cooking and, you know, the way you do your hair or get dressed for a party or your grocery list, <laughs> all of these things are, are art. And I love that you gave your children the space to do that too. I always did that with mine as well. Yeah. And I have one that, that really enjoys art and another one that is not called to it. He gets frustrated when there's an art project and he's trying to follow along because he wants to get it right. And so maybe over time that'll soften and that, and that exploration, because I think, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, that, you know, your relationship to art and art being part of your life is this ever evolving, transforming thing. I mean, you can pick up a new medium or a new modality at any point. I mean, that's one of the things to me that's so fun about art. It's like, you could be this amazing potter and never have any idea, but that's inside of you just waiting for clay to come up. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned that because I teach the method of, of art that I create in most, which is called encaustic painting. And that is painting with wax and fire. It's an ancient Egyptian method um, that's been around since the fifth century BC. So I love to teach that as well as create in that method and sell to art collectors. But one of my students was a potter and a sculptor. And she brought in this amazing sculpture on clay of a, a fish. And she said, can I put the wax on this clay and, and embellish the fish with the wax. I'm like, bring it in. Let's do it. Like right. my answer <laughs> is always, yes, bring it in. As long as we're not, you're not going to hurt yourself or set my studio on fire. Let's try it. <laughs> so uh, she had the best time, you know, evolving her method of, of art by introducing this new method of encaustic painting and, and adding pigmented wax to her sculptures. And she just had the best time and it turned out incredibly. That sounds amazing on so many levels. First of all, what I'm hearing you say is that this idea of play and just letting it, letting whatever is supposed to be developed and created, just like letting that be its own separate thing. You know, I talk about this a lot as it relates to business and people's energy in their business and not having this like very specific concrete idea. And I'm wondering for you as an artist, how it works. Do you have a specific idea in mind when you sit down to create, how do you balance that with letting the flow of energy dictate what you're doing? That is a very interesting balance. And I love that you brought it up because it's something I actually have to um, force myself to do. So almost all of the series of paintings that I've created 
were created from an accident. So I have one series that I call Come Undone, and that is where I actually had just an old encaustic wax pigment painting, and I wanted to learn a new technique that I had found that some other artists were using, and that's using shellac. And so I painted on the shellac on top of an old painting, and I set it on fire. And the amber shellac crystallized and evaporated and created this unbelievably beautiful cells that look like creme brulee. And I was just like that, oh my gosh, what just happened moment? And it was like, oh my God. And so I just kept doing it on all these other older paintings and sort of creating that in about the same way, but it was all formed from an accident. And then an art gallery owner ended up seeing these pieces um, when I think I showed one of his other artists in his um, gallery. And he said, these are unbelievable. Why am I not representing you? And those were the three paintings that he took out on the road and that were actually became the most successful series and selling body of work that I had. And that was just from experimenting. So then I started creating that series uh, intentionally because there would be commissions. One of my commissions was one of these small 12 by 12 birch panel pieces in this series, an architect wanted it at 10 foot by five foot, uh, largest encaustic painting that I've ever created. So then I had to intentionally recreate the essence of that accident, which was a challenge. <laughs> that <sounds> challenging. <laughs> that was a challenge to say the least, but I loved the process. It took me about a month to complete it. It was, it was wonderful to, to dive into that and try to remember the accidents but also cre- create the piece so that I, I know that the, the art buyer would be happy with it. But I, so I get in that phase where I'm creating commissions from a piece that I've already developed, but then I have to make myself, Kenny, this is your experiment day. You've got to go throw different mediums together and splatter and close your eyes and paint just from your heart and, listen to different music as you're brushing the paint on and turn it upside down and um, paint with your left hand or attach a paintbrush to a yardstick and stand four feet away and paint. I have to experiment because that's how you keep the work fresh. That is so dang good. I love that. And I can think about a million and one applications that everybody listening can can pull that into in their Mm -hmm. life and how, you know, we can get so stuck on wanting it to be right and wanting it to be good or wanting it to be perfect. And without that time to play and explore and experiment. And I love what you're saying, because you're not like, you know, slowly dancing and, you know, gently trying new things. You're talking about like going, all the way out there, something completely out of the realm of what you would normally do just for the process of creating, not because you're expecting a certain outcome based on that. Exactly. It is all about the process. And sometimes, yes, you have to create a commission and it needs to look like the sample that you've shown your your client. That definitely needs to happen. But then there's other times where it's like, I'm going to paint like I'm going to burn it. And that frees you up to just try Mm. anything and you're just not held back. And that's where the magic happens. 
When you were going through your divorce and realizing, you know, your financial situation and everything that was happening, how is it that you were able to look outside of yourself to say, this is a class that I am going to take? Because I imagine a lot of people in your same position, rather than opening up, rather than expanding out and reaching for something new, bigger, better, would do the opposite and pull in and sort of cocoon and circle the wagons and really tighten up, you know, basically in a survival mode thing. How do you think Mm -hmm. you were able to do that? I learned at that moment when it was just me and, and the kids that I had to totally trust my intuition on everything I did. And whatever that gut feeling told me to do, I I needed to completely believe that that was the action I needed to take at that very second. And so it, it, it hit me, wasn't even in a meditation. It was just, Penny, go find a healing art class right now. I'd never even heard of really a healing art class. It was just a message that I received. And I just immediately got on the computer and started Googling where can I find an intuitive art class? And it immediately popped up and it was exactly what I needed to do. And the women that I created with, and we are dear, dear, dear best friends, because when you are shedding your soul and painting your guts out like that with women over and over every week, you learn a lot about each other, but you learn so much about yourself. And I, I knew I couldn't shell up. I know I couldn't huddle in because I needed to take care of a three-year-old and an eight-month-old baby. And I needed to still somehow find my true self and find joy in every day. And that's what that painting and that, that process did for me. And then my kids still somehow saw a happy mom, you know, I cried, but I was mostly, we just had, we had still had fun and they saw a a happy mom. Well, because you made sure that your happiness was a priority. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think so many of us can get it twisted. And if not really aware and not really on our game, it's just very easy to flow into that, that caretaker mode that I'm putting everybody else in before me, everybody else's needs are more important than mine. What kind of mother would I be? What kind of wife or sister or employee would I be if I didn't do X, Y, Z? And it's just, it's so, I find it so frustrating. And at times, you know, my heart breaks because I've been there and I continue to, you know, literally every day claim a different way of living. Because if you don't, I mean, the conditioning, the messages, the family model, whatever it is that you potentially have going on, it is a box that is that is created to keep you in this one frame of mind, in this one way of living. And it's so inspirational that in the midst of everything that was going on, you walked forward on a different path. It really is. Thank you so much. I love how you said claim my life. That's an amazing way to put that. And now I'm, 
I, I look back and I don't have any regrets. I, I'm so glad that I dove into that class and the kids had, um, a babysitter that night, or actually an older woman had moved in with me to rent one of my rooms to help pay my rent. So Nana Marlene was there to take care of them. So I didn't have to feel guilty. And even if I, you know, did need to have a hire a babysitter, they saw that mom was taking care of herself. Yeah. And now they will do the same thing. They're taking care of themselves as adults, children. They are, or they're putting their needs first. And I hope they do that when they have children too. And, and again, find the joy in life and know that your kids will be taken care of, but you got to take care of yourself first and claim your life. I love that. Oh, good. (laughs) You can use it anytime. (laughs) Thank you. It's so, it's so interesting that you're talking, that we're talking about this too. I, I met a new, a newish mom friend and we were chatting the other day and she was talking about creating boundaries for her kids. She is divorced. And although the husband, the father is in their life, if the children don't want to spend time with him, she completely allows them to dictate that. She will set up time, they have schedules, but what she said was, I am teaching my children how to create boundaries. And if their relationship with their father doesn't feel good to them, you know, there's obviously other things going on behind the scenes. It doesn't feel good to them. Then I want them to learn how to honor that. And as I was listening to her, I felt like my whole body was in a little bit of like, you know, those little firecrackers going off everywhere, because even though I consider myself very in tune and very in touch and very, you know, progressive and all about sovereignty and following your own path, it's just so interesting when you think about the the relationships that you are modeling for your children and really putting your money where your mouth is when it comes to about creating boundaries or doing things that they want to do or tapping into their own energy, those, those ways that we were taught are so deeply ingrained about respecting your parents and making sure that you, well, you committed to something, so you have to do it and not quitting or not changing course. And I know there's benefits in learning those things, right? That's why the majority of the world does it. It's not to take away from that, but just to offer that alternative way of of viewing something that, you know what, if you're really feeling not up to it, it's okay to say no to something. Or if you don't feel comfortable with this friendship or this relationship, giving them the, the tools and empowering them to choose differently it's like a whole new way of living and learning and parenting that takes time to really put into practice. I totally agree. And teaching them to listen to their gut and their intuition. What is, what feels like a yes in your body and your heart? Yeah. Trusting themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, with social media for them, I can't even imagine having to grow up with that as your sole basis for, for outside. And we keep talking about what you see is not real. 
think everything mm -hmm. is filtered. Everything is, you know, edited and recorded a hundred times. And it's such an unrealistic model to hold that they have to hold themselves up to. Tell me more about how you are able to decide when something is finished. And the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, I work with so many entrepreneurs, small business owners, and it's very easy to get into the forever needling and editing and tweaking and not getting to that point where you feel good enough to put it out there. And I imagine as an artist, that's something that you might be very familiar with. <laughs> I'm very familiar with it. And while I do over tweak my newsletters or an email to an art collector or even a friend sometime, I try to look at it in a little bit of a different way with my artwork. So I'll work on a piece and it is very important to me to step back and, and look at it and go to lunch, come back, go to sleep, come back the next day and look at it with fresh eyes because then it will tell you almost immediately I need another mark over here. I need a cerulean in blue over here, or it's, you're done. But what I've learned from like some of the masters that I've taken classes with or been in an atelier program with, was they said, you know it's done when if you make one more mark, if one more move on that painting is going to take away from what it's trying to say. But if if you look at it over and over again, walk by it again the next day, and there's nothing that it's asking for. And if that one more thing is, is not going to make it any better, it could possibly make it worse, then just leave it the way it is. But you have to keep looking at it and just say, is it asking for anything else? Or if I do one more thing, is it really going to deter and detract? And that's how I decide if something's done. And so is that message coming into your gut? Are you hearing something from the painting or feeling something? How are you really exchanging energy with it? Yeah, we, we talk to each other a little bit. The painting. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, but when I am in that flow and I'm in the process and I may be very, very close to the piece, I have to get farther away from it. That's why I need to hang it up either in my studio a lot of times I'll come in and bring it into my living room wall or even better over the fireplace. Just take down whatever's over that fireplace, hang that piece up and walk by it. Sometimes for a few days, sometimes for a week. There's some pieces for a month. But if I keep walking by and it's telling me I'm happy, I am satisfied, I am as I'm supposed to be, then I absolutely don't touch it. If there's something that I keep walking by and I'm looking at it and I'm just like squinting and then moving back and forth and then, uh, something's kind of bothering me. Sometimes I'll turn it upside down and that helps with composition, but then it, it is mostly a gut reaction to, yes, it needs a little bit of something right here. And that might literally just be one scrape mark. And then I stand back again and look, is it done yet? Is it one little tiny paintbrush stroke, stand back again? Just one little thing at a time, because it may need just a tiny uh, adjustment to be done. Mm, that's so beautiful. I can just imagine this really flowing process with it, which I think is so special. And I think even for people listening that don't have art as their medium, you can use that approach with anything, with a product that you're making or with 
content or if you're a writer or if you are any sort of you know practitioner and if you work on home design anything that you're doing you can sort of work rest sit contemplate look at turn it around and to me it feels very soft it's like the opposite of forcing something it's the yeah. opposite of resistance it's all about just having that like easy reciprocal relationship not that it's easy but a relationship of ease yes well, that's a great way to put that relationship of ease and immediately I think back about like if you're making chili and you're just gonna add a little bit of chocolate to that chili and then you taste it no, no, no. Okay. No, now it needs a little bit of vanilla in my chili. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, just experimentation and a relationship with whatever you're creating. So do you meditate or get into a certain state before you create? Is there a daily practice that you have when you're working on certain pieces or just in general? I guess the meditation is different every time. I'm not necessarily a creature of habit and routine. Like for some reason, I push back on routines. I don't know why, but the meditation happens when usually I am creating an array of colors on my palette and my palette is actually on a pancake griddle. And so there's molten beeswax that's being melted in tins on a pancake griddle. And then I add various pigment and there may be 10 different hues of blue on one griddle. And then another one has 10 different um, hues of white, I guess, even. And so sometimes I start with a color palette where I'm feeling like, all right, this morning I have woken up and there is just an ocean raging through me. And it's either a calm and peaceful ocean or it is like a tumultuous ocean. And so that's when I sort of get in my studio and I may sit and I might listen, but it may just come to me as I awake between like sleep and awakening in the morning. Um, and then I, I just let myself flow with it. Really, I don't usually have a plan. I just take whatever those colors and I sometimes make myself work very, very quickly. And I will paint the colors on, sometimes turning it around and around, like I said, sometimes with my eyes closed and then take a step back and look and, and ask what it needs. And that's when you fire up the blue torch and the blue flame kind of bursts into play and you melt the colors together and you can't really control that very well. There's no way one encaustic painting can look like another because you're using fire and the wax becomes liquid. And that is so freeing because then shapes emerge and you just have to stand back and say, what is that that just happened? That looks like a tree or that looks like an angel or something that is indescribable. That's a feeling that I have in, in my soul. And it, I find it to be a very freeing way to work. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. You're living my dream right now. <laughs> so <laughs> well, come work. I know. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. <laughs> so do you have to get into the studio pretty early in the morning then? Do you like wake up and are inspired right away? Or can you let things simmer? And I'm asking because I know. A lot of us don't have a day that is completely open. And sometimes we get ideas and downloads and pings at the most random of times where you can't necessarily take direct action at that moment. 
And one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, I try to document it. If I'm out, I have an app that I use where I just try to like write the message down or, or take like a little snapshot in my mind of the feeling or the energy that I'm experiencing, but it can feel a little bit frustrating not to be able to take that and have an action on it right away. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I have journals that are just full of automatic writing, sketches, little marks, little ideas. Right as I wake up in the morning, I'll jot something down. But if anybody is listening that knows me, they will be laughing hysterically when you said get up early in the morning. <laughs> My rhythm is not to get up early in the morning. As much as I try, I just savor sleep. And so I let myself get up, you know, in a very comfortable, easy going manner and I have some coffee or tea. And then I get out to the studio. And as I'm turning on the griddle and putting the natural beeswax into the tins and allowing that amazing smell of, of the wax just fill the studio. I can listen to the birds. I can go sit outside and do a little meditation. Um, and then I sort of let things mm-hmm. gel and come together and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. And, and I, I wish I could say, people say, do you paint every day? I'm like, oh, I would love to paint every day, but we have to promote ourselves mm-hmm. and we have to send out emails, you know, and, and offer workshops and uh, keep in touch with people and talk to gallery owners and keep up on our website and social media. And we have to price our work and make pr- price tags and information for galleries. And so there's admin days and then there's paint days. But for me, I need about five or six hours at the least when I am going to go to the studio and really get some, some work done Mm. and painting. Okay. That's so helpful to hear. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of us, depending on whatever work you do, some people work better in batching where it's just, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm working on. And I'm going to work on this for whatever number of hours versus setting up your day where it's an hour with this and 30 minutes with this. And, you know, when I hear people say that they have every single minute of every day scheduled with meetings, my whole sort of body contracts because like you, I, I like to let it unfold. And I'm so grateful that I've set up, you know, a business and a life that I can have the freedom to sort of let it happen. But I just think that's really interesting to share and a great thing for people to explore if they're not able to tap in the way that they'd like to, maybe they're just not giving themselves enough time with any one function that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Where you're uninterrupted, right? You know, turn off that notification for email and texting and anything else that's going to disrupt you. I just put on different music or like podcasts from my favorite enlightenment people or <laughs> whatever I, I put on at that time. Sometimes maybe it just needs to be silent, listen to the birds. But yeah, for me, it's, it's like, all right, if I'm going to go out there and experiment, I really need about five or six hours. However, I will get frustrated. And if my day doesn't allow that, I literally will just go out and turn the lights on and organize my oil paints or put new craft paper down on my tables or just sit and, and look at some work on the wall and inspiration pieces that I found. And even if I get to do that for half an hour, at least I have been out in my studio and that may feel like the only thing that I've really 
accomplished in that one day. Then I go back and I have to do all my emails and, and cook and go to go shopping and all the things that we have to do. But if I walked out in my studio and done even 30 minutes of just observing and feeling the energy from there, I, it makes me happy. I come in with a smile on my face. Oh, that's so good. And it keeps that momentum and the energy of it alive within you. I love that. That's really, I think that's really beautiful guidance that anybody can use that, you know, if you're a writer, if you write a sentence for the day, you're a writer. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And these, I've taken some workshops and retreats with Martha Beck and she's a writer and a, a life coach. And she said, sometimes she will just pick up her pen and write down one phone number. I've looked up that editor's phone number and I can close my journal. And I've just done that today. Tomorrow I will, I will make the call. But today, at least I I've done that one thing. I've picked my pen and pencil up and written down one thing. And when you are in various states of difficulty or stuckness or darkness, it's literally that one thing can be all you need to pull yourself out. It's one little thing to know that you can, to know that you're alive, to know that you have purpose, to, to feel in touch with yourself. That's really incredible. Hmm. I'd love to hear about some of these transformational offerings that you are doing, the work that you're doing with women and helping get to their essence. It's fascinating to me. So can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I would love to. This is a venture that one of the women that I painted with for those, all those years and I kind of stumbled upon her name um, is Liz Stubbs. She's a phenomenal artist and photographer, and she's, she's incredible. And we started shooting together. She would say, Penny, can you come over? I, bought, I got this new lens. I want to try this new method with you. And I'd be like, sure, whatever. I don't have to wear anything. No, you know, look, just don't do your hair. Just come over. I just want to practice with this, with this new lens. And um, there was this freedom and the captures that she was taking. And I'm like, wow, this just really exudes like my, my inner spirit. And I just felt this unbelievable, I guess just the word is freedom again, as she was taking these photographs and we were looking at them and she's like, I want all women to feel like this. And I said, I want all women to feel the way that I just felt as you were taking these, these pictures and it didn't have to look good. And when I first would step in front of our camera, I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten all that cheese last night. I got this big belly going on. And she's like, oh, are you crazy? And he's like, that, we're, we are not what we see in the mirror. And so she doesn't see that about me. And the camera didn't see that about me. And when I saw the images, I'm like, oh, wow, that's just my, that's my spirit. That's my, my true self there in, in those images. So we started thinking, let me do this for other women. And we created a entity called Celebration Portraits. And these are transformational experiences that live as our portraits for women. And they're photographic portraits that are transcendent or fine art, and they celebrate your life. And what they're really asking are, who would you be if you saw yourself as limitless? Because I believe that 
us as women, we see these retouched pictures on in magazines and all over the now, or all of the internet, I guess used to be magazines, but now we think we have to look this flawless way. And that's, that's not what we see in each other. Like when I'm, when my, when my friends might say, look at me, look at these wrinkles. I say, don't talk like that about my best friend. Don't say that. You know, you would never say that about your best friend. You don't see your best friend's wrinkles. You don't see, but we see all the supposed flaws in ourselves. And so we wanted to create these experiences where women can come and have photographs shot of themselves that express what's really in the true essence of themselves. And then we create masterpieces of them. So it's you as art. And so the process I was just talking to you about, so we'll take the photographs and then into my art studio and they may want wine thrown on them. They may want to be doused with salt or coffee or tea or something that alchemizes them, but it's very specific to that person and what we've learned about them during this transformational photo shoot. And so what they end up with are photograph, photographic images of themselves and then also a talisman as a masterpiece of themselves that may have wax or resin or mica or gold dust or flowers or like doused in their favorite whiskey. It's very customized and personal to each person. And one of the women that we just had this experience with last week, Cynthia, she sent us back this message after seeing the first images of herself. And she said, I am just, I'm just speechless because I felt like I was maybe over 50 pounds overweight. But I knew after you described this, that that is not what matters. And I don't want to wait till I am that my ideal body shape or weight. I, I want to come do this now. And I'm so glad I did it because now I feel so powerful and beautiful. And she said, I don't see that fat girl or someone with a perfect, without a perfect body. And she shared with us that it, it had given her this like boost of positivity and self-confidence to even get through a meeting that she had that day. She said she knew there was going to be a lot of turmoil in this meeting that she had to lead. And she said, this experience of just shooting the, the, these Porsches with you was so transformational that it changed my entire confidence about myself. And now knowing that I'm going to be able to look at this masterpiece of me every day and remember that experience and remember who I really am and my limitlessness is just incredible. And she said, I can't wait. I'm going to tell every woman about this. <laughs> like well, thrilled. it sounds incredible. And I think you're right. I think that we, you know, we can be so mean to ourselves. Our inner critics can be so loud and so nasty. And, you know, when we're able to, it's, it sounds like, look at ourselves without those filters, but just really seeing the essence of ourselves that you and Liz are, are helping to capture that it changes the way that we view ourselves, which 
we have to, again, keep working at because without this new visual representation, we just want to go back to the old. We just want to go back to what we know and where we feel safe and comfortable, even if it's not a good place. In so many ways, it just feels comfortable because you know, seeing ourselves from this new lens opens up a whole new world of, well, maybe I should be doing this instead. And where else am I playing small? And wow, there's a lot of things that I have been putting off or where I haven't spoken my mind, right? So it's like, I think sometimes people are afraid of that change because of all the other surrounding circles of change that might happen. But if that's the essence of who we are, then it's such a shame that we spend so much time hiding that and, and afraid to let it out. Oh my gosh, you just totally nailed it. And that also reminds me of this amazing client that we had that was in just the transformation that happened was incredible. Her name is Leah and she had just gotten divorced and she was just not feeling all that confident as she was going out on her first dates and she was in mom mode. But when she was on these dates, if they got to the place where they were becoming intimate after a while, she would always have the lights off mm. and she just wasn't She's just wasn't feeling confident in her body. But then she said, after we had this experience with Liz and myself, we, she said, she just opened up to, I, I adore myself. I am exuberant in who I am. And on the next day, she flipped those lights back on and was like, this is me. And I want you to see me and I adore me. And it just, totally changed the way she saw herself. And I'm just like, if we could give women that gift, yeah, self-love and self-acceptance, oh my gosh, then uh, I've served my purpose on this world. <laughs> yeah. This world. Do, you, do you feel that that's your purpose? Uh, that definitely is. Because I, if I think about it, I think to myself, could I stop doing this now that we have started? And I just don't think that I ever could, you know, it doesn't matter how much money that, you know, you would make from an endeavor like this. It would be, I have to keep doing this for other women. And Liz and I feel the same way. It's just, it feels like our reason. And having gone through what I went through in my first relationship and my, with my first husband, who seemed to be a little bit afraid of maybe if I felt confident mm. with this unbelievable man that is exalting beauty and who I am with no makeup, first thing I get up and Shaka Khan hair or <laughs> whatever. And it's like, tells me how beautiful I am. And he sees into my eyes and the beauty in my spirit every day. And, and that's what we want to help other women see in themselves. It doesn't have to come from outside. It just can come from inside. And when you look at this piece of yourself, you're reminded of that. How do you think that people can learn to tap into that when they don't maybe have a partner yet that, that is reflecting that for them or they don't have that external support? What was it for you that allowed you to do that 
and until you got to the point where you found somebody that you know clearly is very evolved and is amazing <laughs> that's a good question i think meditation mm. and really i think in in some of my most profound meditations i found that i wanted to see myself as a, a child of god a, a child of the universe when i had my both of my children all they needed to do was be mm. i held them in i held them in my arms and they didn't have to do anything they didn't have to accomplish anything they didn't have to look like anything they just were just beings of light and and i was so in love with them as i was looking at them in one of my meditations i saw myself holding myself that way and just looking into my penny eyes as just a child of of god and just to be was enough and that is something that i've always struggled with i'm not enough i'm not enough but we are enough just as we are just by being alive on this planet and so you don't need anyone else to tell you that you're beautiful you just if you can just look and and appreciate and feel that deep self love for just being here yeah oh that's so good that's that's been coming in for me a lot the past few days about if you strip away all of the external all of the identities all of the roles all of the what i'm supposed to be doing and i should have done and all of that stuff what is there what is the essence where like where does that soul light in you reside and there is exactly what you're saying there's nothing required for that there is nothing that you need to be doing in order to feel that connection with that spark that spark is inside of you it's all this external stuff that makes you feel like there's something wrong like you're not good enough like it's not valuable or it's not whatever you know plug in whatever word is your <laughs> limiting belief of choice but that that spark that you're talking about that you're that we're all born with as children of of god or the universe is is just so innate and yeah just like you i just feel so called to help people re refine theirs reactivate mm -hmm. theirs get back in touch with that that essence so i love everything you're doing <laughs> it's incredible thank you so much you did that for me as soon as i met you it was like you were just looking into my soul literally just the first time i met you and you there's you have just this comfort and love and ease and light about you that you just feel like a warm hug even if you're four feet away <laughs> thank you that means so much to me and yeah you too it's just such an inspiration and i'm so excited to hear how many people are gonna reach out and learn more about what you're doing so tell everybody how they can find you thank you so much lauren i am so honored and grateful to be a part of your alchemy vision. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on this call with you today. I appreciate you. And our new website for Celebration Portraits is www.celebrationportraits.art. And then my website is pennytreat.com. So please visit both. Thank you. 
Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.